open to Daniel uh, chapter 1 and follow along. Following the horrific, horrific siege of Jerusalem, the king of Judah, uh, articles from the temple, are carted off to Babylon, along with verse 3, some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Among them were introduced to Daniel, who wrote this book, and his friends, and we'll meet them in more detail in the coming weeks. And immediately we see Daniel and his friends face uh, three great pressures to conform to the new world around them. Pressures change how they think, pressures change how they worship, and how they live. And I want to look briefly at each of these in turn before seeing what, by God's grace and spirit, Daniel did in the face of such pressures, and how we might remain faithful ourselves under pressures. So, uh, Daniel and his three friends faced uh, great pressure to change their way of thinking. And we see that in verse 4, don't we? Athenaz, the chief of Nebuchadnezzar's court officials, was to teach the captive nobility the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now, it's highly likely that Daniel and perhaps his friends were no more than in their early teens when they entered into the service of the king's court. Imagine these teenagers. Imagine our teenagers essentially taken as prisoners of war, ripped from burning homes, and thrust into the glamour and colour of Babylon. Everything these boys knew about God, what is sin, what is morally good, their entire worldview was now to be replaced by how these Babylonians viewed the world. And most of what they'd learned would be directly opposed to what they'd been taught back home in Israel. If you're a Christian, don't you feel the same pressure in the world around us today? As our TV screens, our radios, our government, our social media feeds, our magazines, our friends, our families, our bosses, our work colleagues, our spouses, our schools, our universities are constantly putting more and more pressure on us to change what we think. About marriage, about how we raise our children, about abortions about gender, about what is morality, about our appearance, about sexuality. Don't you feel the pressure around you to change what you think, to get in line with the current program? I know that I do. Through this book, we'll see how these boys did not give in to pressure to change how they think. These four young lads are also faced with pressure to change how they worshipped. And we see that at verse, in verse 6 and 7. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Do you know what the name Daniel means? I know my daughter does, but do you know what the name Daniel means? It means Elohim is my judge. Elohim is one of the Hebrew names for God. Daniel was, named, was renamed Belteshazzar. It means may Bel protect my life. Bel being one of the uh, gods of Babylon. The Babylonians tried to take away these children's most personal possessions. Their names. But as you read this book we see that Daniel never forgot his name, the name that honors the living God. So much so that we even find his name on the lips of a foreign king in chapter 6. In the same way the Babylonians tried to remove the name of God from these Jewish lads, don't you feel the world around us trying to remove the name of God from our schools, 
for our media, from public life. I just look at Easter and Christmas celebrations nowadays. Daniel and his friends felt pressure to change uh, how they think and how they live. And finally, they faced pressure to change how they worshipped. Sorry, uh, worshipped and finally how they lived. Verses 5 and 8. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They would be trained for three years, and after that, they would enter the king's service. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, if we're following along, we know up to this point, Daniel and his three friends uh, seemed to be going along with the cultural appropriation program, didn't they? So why did they say no to this? What was up with the royal food and wine? We know Daniel eats meat. We know he drinks wine. We see that later on in the book. It may be that the food was from an unclean animal, or maybe it had been sacrificed to a foreign god first. Or maybe it was just that Daniel was uncomfortable living in such luxury when his brothers and sisters from Israel were facing great poverty and persecution in the rest of Babylon. Whatever the reason, Daniel was taking a stand here on matters relating to to holiness, to, to holy living. And the consequences for Daniel were potentially deadly. So in the face of pressure like Daniel faced to change how we think, how we worship, how we live, how do we remain faithful to our Lord? Well, let me tell you. Daniel remained faithful because before troubles hit him, he had an intimate relationship with his God. He loved the Lord, as we'll see later on in the book. His desire was to live for and honor God, to put God first before everything. And this relationship meant that whatever happened, Daniel trusted his Lord. Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 10, verse 13, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. The Bible is so honest about this. Brothers and sisters, we will face temptations. To lie on a tax return, or two or four a boss, or to our children, or our spouse, or our friends. To cheat in business, to cheat in exams, in our relationships, to break God's good and perfect commands regarding sex, love, neighbors, fairness, justice, care for the poor, storing up treasures on earth, and in so many other ways. God knows that we will be tempted, just like Daniel and his friends were. And the lie, the lie we tell ourselves in those moments is that the consequences are less severe for us. That our lives aren't on the line like they were for Daniel. When actually, according to the Bible, our very souls might be if we continue to act in accordance with our sinful desires. We will be tempted, but when we are, God has promised two things in this passage. Firstly, will not be tempted beyond what we can bear. And secondly, he will provide a way out. Two promises. And as the passage reminds us, God is faithful. We can trust in his promises. 
You see, we always have a choice. Sometimes we look at the options and we say, I, I, I have no choice. This could mean the end of my job, the end of my marriage, the breakup of my family, losing my house, losing my friends, damaging to my health, harming my children's education. Yes. The right choice might very well have these consequences, like Daniel's choice could mean death. That doesn't stop it being the right choice. And the way out he provides, God provides, however hard it may feel at the time, is always better than the consequences of our sin, always better. And his spirit within you will strengthen you in following his ways. Do you remember how Jesus was tempted? When he was sent into the desert uh, by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan, so Matthew tells us in chapter 4 of his biography, when Jesus was at his weakest and most vulnerable point, when he was, uh, had the kind of debilitating, excruciating hunger that comes after 40 days and night of no food, at that point, then in his weakest moment, the devil chose to strike. But rather than give in to the lies of the devil, rather than take the easy way out, God provided Jesus with a way to endure through temptation. Do you know how? Through God's word. The words of God were so nourishing to Jesus that they were like a SAS emergency ration pack in his moments of greatest need. Three times the devil tempts Jesus and three times Jesus draws upon soul-sustaining truths to strengthen him to endure. How did Jesus remain faithful under pressure? By trusting that his Lord would be faithful to him, helping him to endure the temptation through his word. It seems so cliche to say it in church in front of believers, but our greatest weapon against the whispers of the devil is God's word. And that's what temptations are. They are a test of whether we listen to God or listen to the devil. We must start by having an intimate relationship with God and we're supposed to be faithful to him. Spending time in his word regularly, every day isn't too often, even if it's only one verse or two. Making a priority of coming to church or watching online as you're doing now. Helping us to become mature as we sit under his word being read, sung and prayed to and over us. Making a priority of spending time with God's people. Maybe joining a small group and when we do meet as God's people, talking about God, encouraging each other from God's word. Making a priority of prayer. He loves to hear you speak to him. He delights to hear you talk to him. Perhaps choosing to listen to Christian worship music rather than the radio. We've put together a Spotify playlist to help you do just that that accompanies this series. Daniel and Jesus both had an intimate relationship with God grounded in his word and prayer. And that helped them to remain faithful when under pressure. Brothers and sisters, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And every day the, battle does, uh, the devil does battle against us, tempting us to crumble under pressure and to defile ourselves. It happened to Daniel. It happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us if it hasn't already. The question is, in that moment, will we remain faithful to him? Remember the author to Hebrews wrote in chapter 4, verse 15. For... 
we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for us in our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In every way that you are tempted to defile yourself, in every way that you are tempted to sin, Jesus was tempted in every way. And yet, every time, Jesus remained faithful and did not sin. Remember, as he sat in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so tempted to run away from the cross that he sweat blood as he wrestled with how he could get out of it. Jesus had a choice. The cross was a choice. God has promised to hold back the full weight of our temptation so that we can always bear under it. And he has promised to provide a way out for us to endure it. Just like he did for Daniel. Just like he did for Jesus. And for every time that we give in to the whispers of the devil, for every time we sin against our God who loves us, remember that as that verse says in Hebrews, Jesus is our great high priest who was tempted in every way and yet never sinned. And his perfect sinless life means that when we come before him for forgiveness, we can know for sure and for certain that his perfect faithfulness under pressure covers over all our unfaithfulness so that our sin has truly been paid for because of the choices that he made under temptation. So, brothers and sisters, remain faithful to our Lord under pressure by trusting in Jesus' faithfulness to you. Please bow your heads to pray. Father God, as we begin this series in Daniel, we thank you for his faithfulness to you and his friend's faithfulness shown throughout this book. Lord, as we look for strength to sustain us as we face the temptations and the onslaught of this world against us, against what we hold to be true and right according to you, help us not to look to Daniel, but to look to your son Jesus for strength, for wisdom, for support, for encouragement. And Lord, remind us when we fail as we will, Remind us to come before you in heartfelt prayer and forgiveness, for forgiveness, knowing that your son has fully cleansed us of every wrong thing we have done, do do, and will do, and strengthen us to live faithfully for you each day. Amen.